and welcome to episode number two of the Tea Curious Podcast, where we explore tea theory, techniques, and tea stories to help us grow in our own tea journeys. So, where are we going in this episode? Well, picture this. We're walking along the streets of a cozy tourist town surrounded by rolling green hills. And with the old world architecture, beer barrels, and a cafe promising sauerkraut and brats on the street, the whole place feels a little bit German, like a Bavarian village in the Alps. But this isn't Germany, this is Argentina, namely Villa General Belgrano, a mountain village that roars to life in the summers as tourists come for a taste of German immigrant culture and a little relief from the heat. But while most folks go looking for a microbrewery, you know us, we wander off looking for our friend's tea shop. <laughs> and then we find it right off the main drag with the most welcoming little storefront. Tienda de te, tea shop, it says on the outside. And waiting for us is Kim Wong, our friend and one of the most passionate ambassadors for Argentine tea. Now, I've never been to Via General Belgrano before either, but as we get into this conversation, I hope we can both imagine sitting right at Kim's table, soaking up that crazy sunny energy she's got, and tasting something completely new in the cup of Misiones tea she's so passionate about. So just a little intro, Kim Wong is again the founder of Tienda de Te and San Blends, located in Via General Belgrano in Cordoba, Argentina. She is originally from London with roots in Hong Kong, but found herself in Argentina after a move with her husband. Given that, if you've ever struggled to learn about tea in a second or third language, or if you've been fascinated by lesser-known regions like Argentina, or if you maybe want to share tea with people too someday, whether that's with your own line of blends like Kim, um, or in you know whatever way you'd like to, I think you'll like this episode. Enjoy and cheers! Welcome to the Tea Heroes podcast, Kim. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for the invitation. And it's great to share space with both you, me, and Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before this, I mean, we already hopped into it. We happen to be brewing the same exact tea. How is it possible? 2018 Dark Roast Daunting from far away. We didn't set that up. Kim, I think we're the same wavelength. <laughs> yeah, something happened today. It must be the wind. <laughs> it came from Las Vegas and it arrived to me this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how are you doing? And, you know, just tell us how you're doing over there and what you're up to. Yeah, I'm doing really well, to be honest. I'm feeling quite relaxed. I've just come back from my um, visit to London. I got to catch up with um, my good friends, my family, after two years of absence of being able to go to London, as all, everyone knows, of course, of the circumstances. So I've come up with a really positive attitude, feel renewed, feel like I've got a clearer vision of what I want to do now. And it's just about getting on, on with yeah. it. <laughs> That's my approach for now. <laughs> and yeah, in preparation for high season, um, which is basically our summer season in Argentina, which will commence next month, probably just before Christmas. And that will go on until probably March heading towards Easter, so it's going to be quite a long one. That's right. So for those of you who haven't met Kim before, she owns a tea shop and also a restaurant down in Argentina. Um, so can you tell us about that, Kim? Yeah, sure. Would you like it from the beginning or where I am Yeah, today? just like a little, like, you know, hop, like, bump intro. into someone at the bar and five-minute little intro. <laughs> okay, great. I often do have this type of conversation at the bar or at the tea shop, so it's really nice to give a mini intro as well. I think it gives people an idea of who I am. Well, basically, my name is Kim Wong. Um, I was born and raised in London. My family is from Hong Kong, and I'm currently based in a town in the province of Cordoba in Argentina, which is called Villa General Belgrano. Um, basically, I am here due to my husband, <laughs> and my tea journey commenced probably back in 2007 without really realising I was going to end up in Argentina owning a tea shop. Um, it just goes to show how things can happen in life. It's almost like being open to all opportunities and going with the flow, which is very much my attitude today. Um, and 2007 probably marks an important time in my year, if I think about tea, because that's when I started uh, learning a bit about tea. Um, it was all down to the fact that I had to save some money for a trip to go with my oh. then-husband, no, then boyfriend, now husband. Uh, <laughs> I get a bit confused with what we're called today. Um, so I needed to save some money. At that time, I was still working in the office as a personal mm -hmm. assistant. So that was my career path. That was my future. 
um, needed to save some money. So I decided to work for a tea company and um, had to go to Portobello Market Road and sell teas. It was a lot to do with blends, but they did have a small um, section of pure tea. So that was my first real contact with uh, tea business. Uh, prior to that, it was basically just drinking tea on a day-to-day basis as normal in the English culture and the Chinese culture. Never really questioned uh-huh. what I was doing. It just seemed very normal. Um, but yeah, 2007 was a crucial year in terms of the tea um, lifespan. And then I think when I came back from my trip, we did a mini trip around Latin America. I decided I didn't want to go back to the office. That Ooh. wasn't for me. I'm a bit too social. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was too much being um, closed in an office and not having anyone to talk to almost. I felt really lonely. So I decided to quit my career, so to speak, in the office and just went exploring. I tried different types of businesses and ended up in sales because I realized I had the personality for that. Um, And I did a bit of um, other little jobs, working for Wittars, for example, on the weekends as well. Um, Again, selling teas, learning a bit more about teas on a more commercial basis and a bit about coffee as well so it's really interesting I totally believe any company you can gain good skills and knowledge so just be open to learn from other people and that's still my mindset today um, another crucial point probably was in 2010-11 when I was still based in London but we had the idea we we're going to come to Argentina so I was in the questioning mode of what am I to do what where am I going? I had no idea, basically. I'd only been there once to visit the future in-laws. And then, coincidentally, I was walking along the South Bank in London with a friend, just chatting, and we came across a tea festival. I had no idea what was going on, but it was a big um, eye-opening to me because I got to meet uh, Jane Pettigrew of the Tea Academy UK. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then also um, the Tim, the owner of Postcard Tea, was there. He was giving a presentation. So I literally arrived in time for the end of the presentation, but I got to meet them and introduce myself to them. So that was the beginning of me following um, tea professionals. Um, so, yeah, gradually when I did make it to Argentina, uh, we opened up a restaurant and I saw an opportunity to introduce teas. Uh, my interest at the time was introducing classic teas um, along the lines of Earl Grey, Assam, Dajeline, teas I considered and still consider quite classic in the tea world. Um, so from there on, was, it was just working alongside the food business and introducing tea to people in Argentina in a small town. <laughs> but thankfully, it's quite a touristy town. So um, I was able to speak to people and gain their um, interest as well and um, to work towards a tea menu. And then a few years down the line, there was another opportunity where I felt like, well, let's start a tea blend line. Um, And that's what I did. And that's what I have today as well. And then further along the line, there was another opportunity, which was a little tea shop. Um, Thankfully, it was within the same complex as the restaurants. So my advantage is I don't really pay rent because it's within the family complex. (laughs) Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a big advantage, to be honest, because obviously anyone who runs a business will understand the costs which are involved in having a shop unit. Um, but it was a really good opportunity for me because I had an idea. I always had a dream to have a tea space of selling products. And then it happened. It was the same year when I had the idea in my head and the opportunity arose like that. <laughs> so I took it. Um, so today, what well, brings us to the present day, um, I consider myself as a tea professional, I own a tea shop, uh, I work in a food business, and my general interest and passion lies in tea, so anytime I can get a group together or people together to form a project or just talk about tea, that's what I would like to do and what I try to do. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. that brings us to the present day. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Hopefully that was enough, sorry. No, that sounds great, yeah. It's almost not a traditional career path in tea. To be honest, when I was young, I didn't know you could study to become a tea professional. I didn't know much about that. Yeah, right, right. So I think it's good for people today maybe um, looking for a career path to know that it is possible. Um, Mm -hmm. But maybe I'm an example of not a classic um, way to get into it because obviously nowadays you have courses um that's probably the first step for most people 
um, I took a different step. I, I'm very much about experiences. I like mm-hmm. hands-on experience, gaining knowledge from other people. Um, so very much when I go, when I have the chance to go visit London, I visit tea shops, which I really respect and look up to and obviously purchase the teas, which I can't get hold of here for my own um, purpose. <laughs> but also yeah, to, yeah. to show people as well quality tea, such as what we're drinking today, which is, um, funny enough, we're both drinking the same type of tea, which is dark roasted Dongding, sorry, Oolong uh, from Taiwan. Uh, right. So it's just being able to show people quality. I think that's one of the objectives which I have today. confidently Kim and it sounds like you're really you know well ensconced in your tea shop now but were you always this sure about what you were doing um I could probably say yes without really realizing on the service that that's what I wanted I think deep down that's this is what I always wanted it was almost a question of opportunities timing uh, situation I mean as you mentioned um we have a food business, a restaurant as well. So that's my reality. I'm not 100% dedicated to the tea world, which is what I would like to be able to do, but it's not my reality. So it's finding a balance as well and being real to myself, um, what I can give to my own project. It's been amazing in terms of, I can call it my project because I'm the one who initiated this tea shop, uh, this tea world where I'm based, um, tea group, which I've kind of got people together in the area as well. Um, and it's almost important to me because I needed to mark my territory, so to speak, in a different place to feel <laughs> like Kim's here. I'm not the partner of my husband. And that's exactly yeah. what happened in the beginning. So I think it's important for any individual's identity to be able to do something which they feel passionate about. Um, even though it may not be so obvious at the beginning, it's almost re- it really is going with how you f- what you feel inside and not so much with what you think is correct in the head. I mean, I could have easily stayed in the office and carried on a career in the office and still probably would have been in London, but probably would have been very unhappy without realising it. Yeah. So in a way, I took a risk. um, But then it wasn't so much a risk because I had an advantage of, we went back to my husband's town, so we had a lot of advantage and support as well. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy that you're sharing, you know, both your passion and also what your circumstances are because... Um, working in wholesale, I got to know a lot of the circumstances of folks who had tea shops and then also have friends who are like, oh, I want to open a tea shop someday, not knowing what the the bridge was between those two. You know, there are a lot of things that happen along the way. Maybe you get lucky or maybe you work really hard or maybe you have a side job along the way. You know, yeah. because people think, oh, if I'm not full time into tea, is it not real? Or if I don't mm-hmm. open a brick and mortar shop, is it not real? If I work on a restaurant on the side, is it not real? But you're, you have a restaurant, but you're still too professional, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has to look at their own situation. They have to look at where they are today, uh, what their project is, what they would like to do. Because obviously, I think with any type of project, you need passion behind it. And in order to get there, you need to put a lot of effort into it as well. So it's not just about dreaming a project you need to put effort and time and dedication into it in order to reach that goal and I think that's the case for any type of project not just in the tea world but it's true what you say though I think a lot of people sometimes don't quite realize that when you go from maybe just a project a hobby to owning something physical actually a shop there is a quite a big jump you need to be realistic in terms of where you are located your customer base the cost behind it I'm very I feel very fortunate I feel very humble as well to say that I almost don't pay rent because it's within the family complex and that is a big advantage it's one less thing I need to be stressed about and I try not to be stressed in general I try to enjoy the fact that I have a tea shop um it really was a dream come true in that sense don't get me wrong it's a very small tea shop it's my tea space I'm not in um 
dead center but i'm quite happy with that i like the fact that people find they stumble across me or it's because of word of mouth they find me as well i, I prefer that concept so um in a way I, i'm happy not to be so commercial but i do obviously rely a lot on um instagram for example i work i rely a lot on word of mouth local communities and so obviously the reputation is very important as well so you need to keep up a good reputation in the local area and that's how the town works it's a lot to do with people recommending you uh you almost making a name for yourself as well um that's the difference of being in the city i'll say mhm mhm <laughs> but it could be a tea shop isn't for everyone i don't think it's a bad thing if your objective isn't to have a tea shop and your objective uh-huh. is to stay online because obviously that is a business plan um i'm not so much online with sales for example i really like the contact with my public the fact that people find me and they come back and i love it when they say oh i've been searching for you all day and now i just found you you're so hidden away and i feel so oh, proud amazing. of that you're like oh, amazing you found me that's great <laughs> you might say that you have an advantage you know having the space that you have but then you also have the interesting circumstance of being in argentina which is not necessarily a primed market for tea necessarily you know so you're kind of the person there who is moving forward tea not a lot of people realize that there's actually tea plantations in misiones which mm-hmm. is an amazing um area to go visit as well even just for tourism so <laughs> um i mean i honestly didn't know much about it until one day i realized oh it's so tricky to have options when it comes to tea in argentina um we live with high inflation So basically prices go up 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 and up. So if you need something today, buy it today, don't wait for tomorrow. <laughs> Almost that's the attitude. Um so high inflation is a big disadvantage if you have in Argentina. But then on the plus side it made me look inwards as well. Not so much teas abroad. It made it drew me more into Argentina. It made me go on the search of uh finding producers locally. Um I mean we have quite a distance from Cordoba to Misiones. but locally in terms of internally internal market um so i'm really happy that that ha- that has happened argentina is like that because if not i probably would have still be buying tea from um suppliers yeah uh before i met you kim i had no idea that argentina grew tea at all whatsoever and no. I- i've always been interested in you know different origins i think a lot of people are excited about you know these new countries not new mm-hmm. countries so to say that's not the right word but you know countries that we don't usually think about making tea making tea it's very exciting and i'd never known about it happening in argentina until you told yeah. me so <laughs> the oldest tea plant maybe about 100 years so it's kind wow. of not that young either but it's obviously not as old as tea plants in maybe china or taiwan for example but right. things you got to remember argentina a tea competes with the other um beverage which is yerba mate which often grows alongside the tea plants and that is the national drink so it's breaking the habit of people who normally drink sherba mate and tell them hey drink tea and it's grown in your garden uh-huh. and, <laughs> yeah so it's a cultural um factor and also maybe financially as well i've heard of um, people or tea farmers actually giving up their tea plantations to grow sherba mate because they make more money from oh, it oh wow uh-huh so there are a few factors yeah. why um maybe the tea consumption is a bit low in argentina but over the years i've definitely definitely seen a lot of interest from the people who pass through my shop and people i've spoken to and just the tea community in general Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely one to look out for because I know tea tourism will be an interesting thing to bring people into Argentina. Gotcha. Can you give us an idea of what the average Ar- Argentinian would do in terms of their tea drinking, both for like Camellia sinensis tea and like Yerba Mate? I mean, to be honest, people still use, they still demand tea bags. And in Argentina, we don't have... like you do in Europe I would say I often compare to Europe and England because that's my personal experience mm-hmm. you can get really good quality tea bags um in Argentina we're still behind in that sense um so there is a demand still for tea bags but then we don't have a lot of good quality tea bags to offer so mm-hmm. but in a way it's great because why not just go to loose leaves then so that's the objective um it is almost convincing but maybe showing people as well why they should go to loose leaf and it's not as complicated as some 
ceremonies may make out to be. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think some people personally get scared off from drinking loose tea when we've put too much on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so my style is uh, basically showing simple accessories. I mean, I can show you because you have a camera. But I can <laughs> yeah. start with people who make things. So that was my other objective. Um, so I'm very much now into made in Argentina. I really like that concept. So this is all handmade by a lady in Buenos Aires, and it's her version of a shibori dasi, mm-hmm. which is very practical as well. Yeah, so, so Kim is showing us uh, a shibori dashi that can just pour into a single cup. So just a two-piece, very simple set, right? Very simple set, and, you know, it's just showing people it doesn't have to be so fancy if they want it, don't want it to be fancy. I mean, I don't do tea ceremony. I mean, I never studied that, so I'm not going to sell you that either. But I'm going to sell you something which I find really practical because I've used for myself and I found this person who makes it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, as I said, I'm really like, I feel like I'm going down this pathway now, the made in Argentina concept. Right. When you landed in Argentina, did you look around and kind of think, oh, it's going to be challenging to kind of get tea into the, the psyche because of the attachment of tea bags? Or was it something that you kind of tackled and were excited to do? I think I was quite determined it's going to work <laughs> when, it came to, when it came to the tea menu in the restaurant because I was very into like introducing the English culture because that's what I knew more about. And obviously with time, I'm learning more about my own other culture, which is Chinese culture. Um, so really, it's almost not being afraid to go with how you're feeling. And then obviously you've got to get the feedback from the public as well in order for it to work. So I started off with a menu which I thought, yes, this is what should work. And then I went adapting a bit of um, the content as well. Um, after receiving feedback, I was um, seeing with my own eyes what was going out and what wasn't. So today's uh, menu is the sand bran and pure teas. So there's a mixture of pure teas from Argentina and pure teas from other parts of the world. Um, and that is a bit limited because, honestly, I still can't find an ideal supply for international teas. So when I go to London, I bring back teas, which I'm going to be consuming. But also, if I can, I'll bring a bit more back for the restaurant. Knowing that, obviously, I'm not going to end up selling kilos of it. So that's fine. Gotcha. (laughs) And so the the tea menu was your stepping stone to start testing out tea in the market. Exactly, in a new market. Um, and probably the first tea project, I would say. Yeah, definitely first tea project for me, um, the menu. I didn't think about that. But yeah. <laughs> Can you walk us through the, the the process that you took to try to figure out what to put in that menu? Um, I think in the initial stage, it really was about what I thought would be good for the public without really knowing the public. So it was literally trial and error in that sense. Um, I didn't have my own uh, line at that time. So it literally was classic teas, which I could get hold of from the supplier. So, I mean, we still had um, Assam, El Grey, Darjeeling. But then with time, I realized it wasn't the best quality. So that's a lear- that was a learning curve for me. So even though the public didn't know that, I felt it wasn't the best quality to represent a Darjeeling, for example. Um, so... Then I tried a different supplier and it's a bit tricky because to import products in Argentina, it's very expensive as well. So I think part of the objective today, maybe my personal objective and probably the tea community in general is just to highlight the fact that we have good quality tea here. So it's almost like don't always look abroad. You need to look internally and support these families as well. Because a lot of people are, a few of the families are coming back into producing teas. So maybe they started off um, 80 years ago, then they had to stop the business because they couldn't run the tea farm or maybe due to financial issues or maybe due to um, changing crops as well that they left tea so it's almost giving them the encouragement as well to come back to the tea world so I really believe it is a helping hand everywhere it's a big cycle we're all connected so 
bringing it back to my point of view and what I can do today, obviously it's not down to me what happens in a team market, but I feel like at least I can tell the public uh, what's going on and offer them um, Argentine tea um, as an option. Uh, for, for someone who's never heard about Argentine tea before or hasn't looked into it before, could you just sum up what you think is interesting about it that they should take notice of? I think we're at a point of experiment. Experiment in a good way because I believe Argentina is still trying to define their characteristics. Like if you think of... I don't know, a Wulong from China, a Wulong from Taiwan, more or less you can sum up what experience you're going to have because they have a longer history. So you can definitely um, have certain words which could describe a tea from China or from Taiwan or from certain areas. So Argentina's almost like they're still working on that. Um, they're very good with the black tea is amazing in terms of it's so super clean, super transparent in the liquor. And that's why it goes a lot to the American market for the iced tea, purely because of that, the, the amazing appearance in the bottle. <laughs> it's very gotcha. clean. Um, so that's a real advantage. But it's just working out what characteristics or how you could describe a black tea, for example. I mean, I personally, I, I feel a lot of the... Um, the red soil which they have. So it almost takes me back there when I drink the black tea. Um, but then again, I always say you can't compare countries so much. I think it's quite unfair to compare maybe an Argentine black tea to um, a Lapsan Souchong, for example. So it's almost defining what is Argentine tea. I think that's where we are at today. Um, but it's definitely very clean in the mouth and it makes me think of the red soil in a nice way, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we like to side-by-side -side black teas, but to say, I think what you're saying, I mean, to say that an Argentine black tea has to taste more like a Chinese tea or does it seem more like a Japanese tea? I think that's like a stepping stone. But really what they want to yeah, do... Yeah, I think it's a good... It's a good stepping stone to have maybe the experience to taste a different type of tea, but you can't expect it to be a Chinese right. tea. Right, yeah, China. yeah. I think that's what I'm trying to say. It, it should be its own thing, you know? Exactly. I think overall that would be the, the goal, isn't it? To What can you say about the Argentine tea, mm -hmm. I think? And that will come with time, I reckon, and probably more international tourism come into tr and trying the tea mm -hmm. and maybe giving feedback as well. Mm -hmm. Um I mean, I'm saying at an experimental stage because I know Taro, he's very much experimental. He's at that generation. He's only like, I think he's mid-20s or a bit younger. And he's very uh -huh. much about still learning. I mean, uh, learning from other people, just trying to make an oolong, even though it doesn't really come out as an oolong. Again, you can't compare an oolong, like a really amazing oolong from China or Taiwan, like what we're drinking. Um, there's, Taiwan and China have a lot of years of experience behind them. I, that's what I'm trying to say in terms of not comparing. It's good to have your experience of having tried a tea which you're drinking today, for example, which will help you assess the tea which you're about to drink. Um, that's probably part of your own education. So, yeah, definitely that's necessary when you do a back-to-back -back tasting. I think that's amazing to do. Um, but then the expectation's got to be different for each country, I think. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you've got new generations, sorry, that's what I want to highlight. You've got new generations coming up in um, Argentina who are retaking the business from maybe their grandparents and putting different energy into it and experimenting. I mean, amazing white tea I've been trying. So the many focuses on black tea, green tea and white tea for now, but I know there's experiment with green tea. And of course, they're learning from other people other people probably in China and Taiwan. So you're going to have moments where knowledge is shared. And I think that's fantastic. Um, and that should be happening within the community in general. Mm -hmm. So just to rewind, um, how is it that tea got into Argentina in the first place? If these plants have been there for 100 years, what's the background on them? Tea trafficking. <laughs> 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 no, it's... <laughs> 
maybe because I, I'm sure you weren't allowed to bring seeds with you at that time. But anyway, it's got a lot to do with the fact that, as I mentioned previously, that um, there's an amazing melting point pot of cultures in Argentina and more so Misiones, which is noticeable. Um, I mean, today it's probably like third generation born in Argentina, but prior to that, hence, if we go back to Daniel's family, um, it was his grandfather or great-grandfather came over from Japan and he had a knowledge of tea, so he brought the tea um, seeds with him and that's how it started, hence why they could probably count about 100 years um, to their oldest trees. So it's a lot to do with immigration and I think that's a beautiful way to sum it up because we're all immigrants if you think about uh-huh. it. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and I think this kind of um, changing of locations and actually being an immigrant to start off with has made me change my way of seeing things as well and being grateful to have opportunities. And obviously, um, if you take it back to my family, they went from Hong Kong to London back in the 70s and they were given opportunities. So, you know, this is a present-day way of um, being grateful and having an opportunity to go with the dreams. I mean, our dreams are completely different maybe compared to our parents in those days, but, um, you know, that trend still continues and it will do so for the near future for sure. Wow. So I think it's good to dream, you know, (laughs) dream, but be realistic, I think. And it's almost to eliminate this pressure we put on ourselves at times. Um, But have an idea of what you love to do and try and do it. Don't be stuck in a job and be miserable for the rest of your life. I think that's what I learned. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, there's just so many things I can ask him right now. It's crazy. Yeah. When you... Sorry, so I was going to say the tea plantation, you'll find most of it is Carmelia sinensis. Um, sinensis. There's a mix, basically, um, of sinensis, asamica, and then like a local plant, and they've obviously mixed. <laughs> so. How exciting to think about, um, I just can't imagine uh, Tato's grandparents and all these immigrants from way back when bringing tea seeds with them. What were they imagining? They were imagining these these farms to come <laughs> up, you know? <laughs> they probably saw it as a real possibility because if you think, well, obviously you've never been, but Misiones is, it has an amazing um, weather as well. They got good rainfall, they got good sun, Um well, humidity obviously is part of what you need to grow plants, and probably just the amazing hands behind the family as well. Yeah, <laughs> in terms of nurturing. But it's a very green, lush area. It's very, it's definitely tropical. I mean, and that's why I can't go at this time because I really suffer in the heat. I have to go at the beginning at har- of harvest or at the end, <laughs> so I actually miss out on the experience. But anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's an amazing lush forest feel, like rainforest feel. Uh-huh. Hence why you get tropical fruits there. Um, so it's not, I wouldn't recommend just going for the tea plantation, just go for the whole experience of Misiones as an area. Yeah, yeah. When uh, you get to know a tea, it's it's not just the tea itself, but also the culture and the area that kind of encapsulates that tea, you know, that informs what the tea is going to taste like. So that's quite exciting. Um, I think what they have before harvest as well um, is like um, they bring all the different cultures together and they have a big festival. Oh, wow. I've never actually been, but I hope to maybe next year. Let's see what happens. But, um, yeah, so that's when you get to you get to realise the um, immensity of cultures available and they all just work together. So um, I think that's the beauty of tea as well, isn't it? It just brings us together. Yeah. And is it just uh, Japanese immigrants who took tea plants there or are there other folks too? Um, no, I believe, no, definitely, because on Taro's side, he's got the Polish side as well. So I think they bought tea seeds with them as what? well. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, <laughs> I have to check that. I'm just, maybe I'll uh-huh. leave that up. <laughs> but then I know they had contact with um, people from, I think, Taiwan as well. So knowledge was shared. I can't tell you in which decade, but there definitely was like a change of um, knowledge, sharing of knowledge, sorry. So um, that's where, well, in terms of 
Taro's family obviously it's more the Japanese side, so hence why the green tea is very similar to a giant Japanese green tea in terms of the techniques involved. I see. Was that technique passed down the, in their family, or did they have to kind of like go look it up um, again? I think both. Um, the grandfather went with the knowledge, and then I think they had contact with people from Japan as well. I see. Within the Japanese community, um, so yeah, I mean, there's another family who are more from the Finnish side. So the grandparents had tea plantations, and now the new generation is taking it back on board. So I'm saying this new generation is making it very interesting, and I think because they're more hands-on with probably the um, technology. Uh, you know, Instagram is obviously available today for use for free as well. They're more active. Um, so, and that's something which they never had before. So it's just knowing what you have available as a tool and knowing how to use it, but also knowing your limits, I think, with certain uh, free mm-hmm. tools. Yeah, well, speaking about Instagram, we met through Instagram. So that was lovely. So, you know, it's this chain reaction of, yeah. I wouldn't have known about Argentina without knowing Kim and... Kim just popped on to one of our <laughs> sessions, you know, that we host on the weekends and we become friends since. And it was just amazing to hear about all yeah. the, you know, you're such a multicultural citizen, I feel like, Kim. Like, you're like a global <laughs> citizen. And so, so many perspectives of yours oh, yeah, thank ha- you. have been so... Well, you were one of my guests as well. Yeah, right. Guys, so that's yeah. amazing. It's great to share and you know, giving it back to the other person as well. And, you know, just being quite open, I think. Maybe that's the message to the tea community in general, which thankfully is how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, everyone's very open, very um, keen to learn from others, which is what you're very much about. Um, it's almost fine to make mistakes, but then recognize it and kind of move on from it. Mm-hmm. Don't feel so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are some of the things that have brought you to that conclusion? Like what what experiences are you speaking from to say that? <laughs> <laughs> personal experiences mm-hmm. <laughs> um I think I do observe quite a bit so I think maybe I, I'm sure this has happened to everybody in the last couple of years where we've had a bit more time we've been uh well a few months being back at home and not being able to go to work or to the office um you know we spend a lot of time online so I mean where to blame basically but then I realized you know some maybe part of the anxiety came from being too much online as well so obviously it was amazing being able to go back to my shop and have contact with humans again Um, but then I think from that experience just realizing I stopped kind of looking at what other people were doing all the time like it's good to look a little bit I think it's good to know what's going on in the market know what other people other tea friends are doing but don't take it too seriously because end of the day it's you're choosing what you show as well. So you're not always gonna you're not gonna see the bad side of any business. It's always gonna be the amazing side of business. But I think it anything is personal experience and it's just up to you to recognize if it's working for you or not. And if it doesn't, drop it. Move on. How are you able to get that clarity to say, okay, this thing is not working for me now, let me drop it? I go over lot with my feeling, how I feel. So in a way, bring it back to tea. When I have someone who is new to the tea world or even a tea professional, I think it's important to connect ourselves with what we have available, obviously, the senses, but then also the question of how do you feel? And I've heard a few tea professionals ask that question, which I think is brilliant because this is what brings us all together. Like, how do you feel now drinking your tea? Um, you know, it depends a lot of the situation, the weather, how you're feeling, if you're emotionally okay or not. Mm-hmm. It really will affect the type of tea you're drinking. Um, so I go with how I feel very often. Let's say that your 
on social media. This is something I've done. Like I'm scrolling on social media and I'm like taking a break from what I'm working on. And I see someone else doing just like awesome stuff. Do you ever have that experience and you're like, oh, like what I'm doing is not good enough, isn't it? How do you how do you pull yourself out of that space? Get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's easily done though. I mean that that's what we touched on a bit earlier as well. I mean, we've all been in similar situations where we've been stuck at home, too much time on our hands, which we never did before. Like spending so much time on a phone. Um, but just knowing your limitation, your limitations, because yours could be different to mine as well. And this is where we are all so different. Um, but do maybe which is enough for you. So again, it's bringing it back to how you're feeling. If you feel like, oh, I'm starting to compare with this person, just get off. So it was almost like a joke, but I think I mean it. It's just get off the internet <laughs> and go and get some fresh air. I mean, I've got the advantage that I've got nature around me. So, you know, sometimes I go out for a walk or I just look out the window and I feel better. Yeah. And it's just thinking about today, like right now, like I'm really enjoying this conversation with you guys. It's amazing. You know, we're sharing a space and we're so far apart. We're in completely different countries and continents. <laughs> um, but we can do it. So, you know, again, I feel so humble when it comes to certain things and maybe it's to do the upbringing as well um i can't really tell you where that came from but <laughs> maybe it is there's another project which i'm involved in which is local more local um i think i started it in 2014 it was thinking of me as a tea consumer where i can go for tea in my local area and there are only a handful of places i'd personally go to so i thought It'd be amazing to bring them together and form a community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even today we are a tea community. Um, we're only five tea houses, but we're completely different. Um, so we're not competing. We're actually sharing our client base. So we're recommending each other. So it's um, uh, based on my experience of what I saw in Galicia, the Camino Santiago. The, so I wanted to bring that concept here. So where you'd be doing a tea tour, so the excuse is to go visit different tea houses without any time limit. So a tourist could come for one day, visit a tea house, come back another weekend and visit another tea house. Mm -hmm. um, it's just an excuse to go out, but not being competitive. So that was, I think that's always been in the back of my mind, not making anything too competitive, uh, switching the mindset to supporting each other, supporting the community. It's a lot about the feedback we get from each other and how we're doing. So in a way, are we receiving people because of this project or people just arriving on their own accord? So that's how we can gauge if the project's going well or not and also personal interests of each house as well. So I think in general it's a lot to do with time, patience, and if you sense something's not quite right or if you have the data which shows it's not quite right, Make a change, make an adapt to it, and see what happens. Um, but I think patience is definitely a key to a lot of things. <laughs> but then again, bring it back to what we mentioned earlier: effort. If anything, you need to put effort into it. If there's no effort, there's no point dreaming of a, a project you have down the line. If you're not willing to put your own effort, time, patience into it, I guess there are key words, three key words there your project almost isn't going to happen <laughs> but being real I think being real is important for all of us today so we don't get bombarded by stress and the pressure um and just being able to adapt I think that's something I've definitely been trying over the last years probably just not being so reserved coming out a bit more showing a bit more of my life me um but knowing my limits with that as well respecting that i'm quite private um but yeah sharing i think is a big motivation for a lot of people uh, it's that encouragement we all need isn't it knowing it is possible um when there's work behind <laughs> and when do you know when let's say you've been sharing and and reaching out and and interacting with people how do you know when it's time to just go 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 to a restaurant or like go outside is there like a a sign to you it, I, i'll be honest it is quite tiring and it happens um 
I have moments where I just need peace and quiet and to be alone. So that's where I really enjoy my home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got my tea spot at home. You know, I've got on my pets. Obviously, I've got my husband. <laughs> um, you know, we make the most of what we have at that time when we're free as well. So I think that's my sanctuary in a sense. So it's almost, it's taken me time to adapt to that as well. In the beginning, it wasn't easy. I'll be very honest about that. It wasn't easy, the changing of country, cultures, language, um, people generally. And just what well, that brings in the culture is it just knowing that I'm going to be asked very often my background, where you're from, da, 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 which I never had that experience before. So it's having that patience, understanding why I'm being asked certain questions um but yeah just giving it time so today I feel probably more confident in terms of where I am today what I'm doing um it's not to say it's always been easy you're gonna have your downside it's fine to be down yeah (laughs) get over it let it happen but get over it because you can't be down all the time you gotta be that in a balance basically so um and I think that's where tea kind of helps a lot as well it gives you that time to reflect Argentina you did you know that you're going to be making a brand in this new language that you had to adapt to because Sun is an is a Spanish facing brand right yeah um yeah I mean I had the well my husband had the advantage that I already knew Spanish before meeting him yeah yeah (laughs) um what I had to do was adapt my Spanish because I learned Spanish from Spain and Spanish in Argentina is completely different so it's almost like starting from scratch but I'll be honest, again, I was very shy to speak the language because I felt quite embarrassed. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I guess that happens to a lot of people when they um, learn a new language or suddenly they're in a country which isn't their mother tongue. But again, I had to get over that because I was in the food business. I was you know, speaking to the public. So you, that kind of gave me confidence and maybe general confidence as who I am today as well, just not being afraid or shy mm-hmm. like it's fine to make mistakes and you're probably going to make mistakes but it's almost like that's part of life isn't it it's <laughs> get over that embarrassment and just get on with it so it's better to speak the language and people respect mm-hmm. you for that than not speak a word of it and that's what I found in general people are very uh, welcome in here and they still are um, as long as you make the effort in all senses and today I really feel like part of the town and obviously one ending um, Argentina as well so coming back from London was like really nice yeah yeah <laughs> I think first time in yeah probably the first time I actually felt like I was missing home and home being Argentina not London oh wow yeah so I think that's a confirmation I've made that change now <laughs> that's really awesome and very sweet. <laughs> I thought you feel at home now in Argentina. Um, you, you represent Yay. it so well. Um, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Why well, my my world? I feel like you raised the so, flag yeah. very high. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think coming back to maybe responsibility as tea professionals, which I consider we all are. Anyone who works with tea, I consider as a tea professional. Um, part of our responsibility is to speak about the product we love, um, talk good about other people, the tea community, and just work together. I think that's the underlining um, basis for everybody um, in order to be considered as a tea professional. And, and then you're going to have a different path. I'm going to have a different path. Um, people come into the tea world via schools, courses, certificates. I took a different route. I just started working with tea and then thought, oh, wow. And then I landed opportunities. And then, but then I do take on, I do do little workshops as well. So I feel like, yeah, when I need to learn something, I do, I have no problems going to a workshop, for example. So don't be shy to admit if you're lacking in certain knowledge and going out and finding out and it's gaining new skills. And I think that's what gives us encouragement to keep going. 
Otherwise, it'd be quite boring if you knew everything. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> and who, anyone who says they know everything, I don't think they're real enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally agree. Um, speaking of walking your own path, um, I think we're, we're quite privileged in the English-speaking world. You know, I speak English as a first language, so does Stephen, that we can just learn and, and share about tea in like our own mother tongue. Um, but I know that we have a lot of friends who, you know, wonder, okay, should I try to cater to the English-speaking audience or to the the language of where I live or, you know, even the language that I grew up with or I'm most passionate about? Um, do you have any advice for anyone who might be thinking about these things? Uh, yeah, I guess I could share my experience as we've been doing today. Um, obviously, I'm based in Argentina, so the main language is Spanish, but my mother tongue is English, but then my background's Cantonese. So essentially, there's three languages to choose from. So why I decided, well, today you'll probably find I'm writing and speaking more in Spanish because my main um, public speaks Spanish. So uh, that was one thing I realized, yeah, so Spanish is going to be the main language when I'm speaking to the general public on Instagram, on Facebook, on any internet-based programs. But then it's nice to f- switch into English as well, because I do have, thankfully, international tea friends. So sometimes maybe they want to know what's going on. Um, I have attempted to write in both languages, but then it's quite time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but thankfully, there's Translate, I think. Um, so that yeah, seems to work yeah. Well, well, you just translate when you're a um, poster in Spanish. So yeah, yeah, don't worry so about us. <laughs> yeah, I discovered that. So I was like, I can just write in Spanish and that's it. I can just translate. But um, what I really enjoyed and the perfect excuse was doing the IG Live, started, started off a series in Spanish, inviting tea friends, sharing space. And that was a really nice experience for me as well, because in a way, I wanted to meet these people. And that was the best way to meet these tea professionals. And then I thought, well, why not do it in English as well? Just do a mini series of that. And hence why you became one of my guests, because... I thought there's, well, English obviously is a big market as well. Um, so it was quite fun to do it in the mother language. Gotcha. <laughs> so you just switch around whenever you feel like, oh, I'll do one. Yeah, I think I, I'm having fun in that sense. I'm not feeling that pressure that I've got to be just in Spanish or in English. No, I can switch because in the end of the day, I'm, it's my account. So. <laughs> but I definitely realise, obviously, my main audience um, is Spanish-speaking, so... In terms of a business, it makes more sense to just focus on Spanish. But then when it comes to bringing it back to my identity, obviously English is there as well. Um, hence why when I went to London, I, I, I wanted to share the experience, but not in a way rub it in people's faces, say, hey, I'm traveling again. It was almost like being real, like I'm going to see my family after two years, um, but let me take advantage of this trip and go to tea shops. And mm-hmm. nice people were messaging me saying, hey, go here, go there. And when I could, I did and actually posted them the picture as well saying, thank you for your um, recommendation. I'm here having a cup of tea. So that was taking it on a positive way of taking people with me on a trip and being real as well. That Maybe a lot of people won't be able to go to London in the future. So I'll take them on a virtual tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um does it ever cross your mind that if you're speaking in Spanish, you're losing out on, and I, I say losing out because it's what I've heard from people before, like I'm worried about writing in French or writing in, you know, Tagalog, for example, like our, our native language in the Philippines, Yeah, because I'm worried about missing out on this huge market, which is English speaking. Oh, definitely. But then bringing it back to my reality, um, my main market is Argentina and I personally how I am today and how we are today as a country I didn't have the vision to go international um in the sense that it's not very easy to send a parcel abroad (laughs) so (laughs) I'm just focusing on Argentina and I have the advantage that tourism come they come to my shop even though in a small town so I really liking that because it's give me the the real time so I can focus on the restaurant as well Again, bring it back to being realistic of what you can do and not getting too stressed. Because if I reach the level of being stressed because I have a tea shop, that's not going to be a good sign for my project. So I'm fine with not reaching an international market. But I 
like the fact that we are connected though. Um, so yeah, I, I don't feel bad about that. I feel like I'm fine with my plan today. May, hopefully, maybe, who knows, in the future <laughs> when Argentina changes a bit in terms of the yeah. pace and things abroad. <laughs> How did the... Uh, we weren't able to listen in. We popped in once in a while, but, you know, I speak very, very little Spanish. <laughs> but how, how did the uh, <laughs> the series in Spanish go for your interview sessions on Instagram? Really good. I mean, um, in that sense, we got to share our public as well. So I think maybe that underlying message is don't be afraid to share because essentially I'm opening up my contact book to others and I know they're going to go to the person. So we have no problems with that. That's the best tool to go to. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, in, a, in a way, it was a lot for me to meet the people and to gain more confidence with showing my face, I guess, <laughs> sharing my story and recognising, yeah, there is content to be um, told. And I think that's a key word, isn't it? Content. Feel feel like you have quality content to share otherwise there's no point sharing and what's interesting well that's down to you to decide and understanding your public as well um hence why bringing it back to london for me it was quite interesting to do a virtual tour of tea shops you know these are places i go to um i want you to know where i go um to meet the owners as well and yeah hopefully one day when you get to go to london you can go there for yourself yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> It's funny to think that because um, I went to London just once, um, and those were your stomping grounds. And we didn't, we hadn't known each other back then. But um, I'd gone to yeah. uh, Postcard, and I went to Witchards. So you used to work there. Oh, you yeah? used to work there. Yeah, I worked in a local branch though. So. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I mean, I'm not sure which one I went yeah. to, but I went to the one with the basement on the bottom. Do you know this one? Um, oh, basement. Bottom. I think it's it's in. Um, what's that posh area? Like something gardens. What is that posh area? Covent Garden. Yes, Covent Gardens. They have a... They oh, have there's a, a tea shop which has a... Yeah, three floors, I think. Yes, yes. They I do, went to yeah. that one. I think they've been there for many years. I can't remember their name, but yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> funny that we've uh, we've kind of sat down for tea at the same tables, but we haven't met each other. Oh, really? <laughs> I must say there's definitely quite a nice selection of tea shops to visit now in London. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I have... I really enjoy going to the shops and speaking to the owners, hence why I'm very much about supporting independent businesses as well, because I obviously consider myself as an independent business. So I'm more for independent than mainstream, but then I respect what mainstream do as well, because it's a different business plan. You know, it's not better or worse. It's just a different concept. Um, at the end of the day, we're selling the same product, but maybe different uh, versions of it. Maybe you want to put it that way. Um, but it's so nice to have that contact with the tea shop owner. So when I go to London, I feel like the customer. So that's where I gain the experience of what I should reflect to my customers when I come back. So we're constantly learning. <laughs> right. So thank you so much, Kim, for, for the conversation so far. Um, it's been great. Uh, there's just so much we're learning from you. Just not just in tea, but just as a person. Like I just aspire to be more like you. Um, and I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. So if there's just one more thing that, you know, you could tell us as as fellow tea folks, you know, maybe someone who's listening is also just in love with tea and trying to do better in life and just, you know, try to find some of that peace and confidence, you know, what, what would you want to tell them? Um, I would say from personal experience, just uh, reach out to other tea professionals. Um, to be honest, if they are tea professionals. They'll have no problems with opening up, sharing their experience. And um, again, when I went to London, I got to meet a few tea friends who I'd met virtually and we actually met in real life. So that was an amazing experience for me. And we just had a cup of tea and shared a conversation. So it was like, you know, our friendship had been there for a while, mm -hmm. <laughs> even though it was the first time we had met. So I would definitely say don't be afraid to reach out to other tea professionals and have a conversation with them. It's definitely, you know, if they're willing to share, it's because they are real. If they're not, then move on. Um, and that's the great thing which we have today with the internet. You can actually find anyone who you admire today online. <laughs> 
And also maybe just, yeah, don't be afraid. Try, give it a try. And if it doesn't work, there'll be other projects to try as well. But definitely I think the best way of learning is just to drink tea, all types of tea, good teas, bad teas, experiment with teas. Um, and if you're not one for going to school or taking up a workshop, when then, yeah, buy a book maybe. <laughs> yeah. There's amazing literature out there. Yeah. And magazines. But I think the best investment is to drink tea. <laughs> gotcha. Well, thank you, Kim, for everything that you've shared with us. It's been so, so much. You're so, so generous. We really appreciate you. So thanks oh, for thank coming Thank you on. so much. It's been a pleasure. I'm still can't believe we're drinking the same tea. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. Yay. <laughs> Not prearranged. But we're definitely in sync. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, it's been interesting for you guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're at uh, San, that's S-A-A-N underscore blends, right? Yeah. Um, you can email me as well, but message me on Instagram. That's the best way. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Thank you, Kim. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. And that's it. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation with Kim. And I really hope that you've picked up something interesting about Argentinian tea, or maybe, you know, poking and prodding at the ways we can manifest our own tea passion um, in our own ways. So if you'd like to follow Kim, please do so at Sonblends on Instagram. That's Son underscore blends. While she doesn't export tea at the moment, we can at least keep our fingers crossed. And in the meantime, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about Argentinian tea through her page. And yeah, feel free to give her a shout on Instagram. She's always super welcoming and super sunny and just super uplifting for other people. So thank you again, Kim. And finally, Steven and I are at tcurious.com or at tcurious social media. Um, you can support our work by getting into the educational shenanigans we offer there. Um, in the meantime, DMs and messages are always open. And yeah, if you've got the time, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for this podcast if you have a moment to help us get started. Thank you and see you on the next episode. Bye.